Hello and welcome to Coffee with Candice. I'm your host, Candice Mama. Today I speak to STEM rock star, Justin Schaefer. He has been featured in Forbes, Essence and Variety, to name a few. The way Justin approaches STEM education is revolutionary and I'm pretty sure that he's going to change the space for years to come. I'm excited about this interview and I'm 100% sure you're going to take incredible nuggets of inspiration. As usual, if you like this podcast, please like, share and subscribe. Without further ado, here's Justin Schaefer. Justin! <laughs> What's up, Candace? How you been, man? Long time no see. I know. I'm good. How are you? I can't complain, uh, you know, just another day in quarantine paradise. <laughs> quarantine paradise, I love that. Oh man, thank you so, so much for agreeing to be on Coffee with Candace. I'm so honored to be speaking to you. Oh yeah, the pleasure's mine. I'm really looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, I mean, Justin, you are STEM's rock star. Like you, I can literally see this in the next five years. You would have taken over this movement. And I'm so excited. And so I just want to know, let's start at the beginning. Why the interest in STEM? You know, for me as a kid, I was always interested in it. But for the most part, growing up on the south side of Chicago, I kind of kept it secretive. You know, this was something that I didn't really think was for me, there was no one around me that was really interested in it. And, you know, after a while, you know, a few, a series of things happened that we can take a deeper dive into later on, uh, where I ended up majoring in science in college, and I ended up getting a full scholarship, all these amazing opportunities, all these uh, high paying job opportunities. And I'm like, whoa, I wish that people that look like me from where I was from would have known about that. And so it just really started off as, as me wanting to be the mentor that I never had as a kid. Mm. Why do you think science, technology, you know, engineering and mathematics aren't popular in communities of color? So I think the, there's, a, there's a huge multifaceted complex history with communities of color and science, right? I just produced a video a, a couple of weeks ago about the science community and how it's exploited the black community and communities of color with science experiments for hundreds of years. This is not something new. And so, you know, a lot of times when I grew up, I was like, why is anyone interested in science like me? I found out it has deep ties in us being afraid of science because it's been used to exploit us in the past. And so, you know, now, uh, you know, now that there are more conversations around equity and we realize that science itself is not the problem, it's the people that are the scientists that are the problem. We need more representation like us to be in these rooms, to be in these places, to get access to the best career opportunities, but also things like, I don't know if you know this, Candace, about uh, the black women's mortality rate after they give birth, right? It's higher on average than uh, other women. And you know the reason for that partially is because we don't have black women on the front lines of research actually doing the work, actually saying the things that uh, actually having a say so in the research studies so that you know um, treatments that are given to people after they give birth are um, are effective for black women because black women have slightly different body chemistry than other women. And so you know research has to be done there. We need representation to do that research. Mm. And just going back, because, I mean, it sounds so fascinating, but you were raised by a single parent, am I right? Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. 
love, love my mom to death, man. Uh, she, yeah, so she raised me. I think she should write a book. I've been trying to tell her to write a book for a long time. She, uh, she raised me on the south side of Chicago, and, um, you know, it was just me and her. And, you know, I remember the reason, one of the reasons that I ended up performing well in college is because when I was 14 years old, she made me sign a contract. It wasn't legally binding, but I didn't know that at the time. She was like, Justin, I can't afford to pay for college. I can't afford, like, I'm one person, you know, I don't, I, I don't have the, the financial bandwidth to figure this out. You need to figure out a way to pay for college. And, you know, she put that on me when I was a young kid, but she knew her son. She knew that I was the type of person when you put the pressure on me, I'm going to rise to the top. And so, uh, you know, we signed the contract and then lo and behold, four years later, I figured out a way to get a full ride. That's incredible. And one of the people that paid for your scholarship is NASA. Am I correct? NASA, NASA, NOAA, which is kind of like NASA for the ocean. And I got some scholarships from my school. And then every summer I had a paid internship in college. So, you know, that's one thing I talk to kids about all the time is like, if you go into STEM, even if you're not trying to do a STEM career long term, if you major in STEM and you're a person of color in these spaces, people are just throwing money at you as long as your you know, GPA is competitive, as long as you got a decent resume. And, you know, I ended up turning a profit from coming out of college. And this is an opportunity that a lot of kids have. This isn't a unique story of mine. A lot of my friends that get into STEM professions, they had the same type of story. Are you finding that you are uh, interacting with more colleagues of color? as you grow in your industry, or is it still underrepresented? I'd say that there's actually a powerful community, and I see some cool people uh, jumping in. What's up, Eric? I see you. Um, I see, so, you know, I think there's a powerful community of people that are already entrenched in this, right? And so, you know, once you start to follow one of us, we kind of all share each other's work, and we all kind of know each other. And so I think that's the beautiful thing about the digital age with something like this, where, you know, a lot of times STEM people, we're notoriously introverted, quiet, we keep to ourselves, we don't publicize the work that we do. And this digital medium has given us a platform to reach out across, you know, country or state lines and meet each other. And so, you know, we, we've done a bunch of big uh, events to get people of color in STEM together. And 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 work in solidarity towards common goals. Uh, what's up, Devin? <laughs> I love that, and I love that you do talks in school, right, to try and mobilize as many kids into this, you know, industry. And what is the feedback for you? What do you find kids saying to you after you've given a lecture? So usually, you know, for me, I don't categorize myself as a motivational speaker. I think my work is inadvertently motivational, right? Like, like you happen to be motivated, but at the end of the day, I'm a pragmatist, right? I, I come in, I'm telling you practically, here's how you can get to where I've gotten or where you want to go. And so, you know, I'm all about just giving the keys, you know, whether it's like a little tip about, you know, how to get an edge in internships and scholarships, or if it's like how to start a career as an entrepreneur, um, I'm always giving the keys away. And what I find is that, you know, a lot of times I've been able to plant seeds, even when I was just figuring out how to do my lectures and keynotes and things like that. Uh, it turns out one of the, the young ladies who was sitting in the audience ended up getting a full scholarship for computer science a couple of years later. And, you know, it's like one of those things where you plant a seed in people and you never really know uh, where it's going to go. And so, but for me, because I'm in STEM, a lot of times we disregard that, right? Like, 
inspiration is hard to quantify for scientists. And so, you know, we kind of don't think about it as, look, you have to, someone has to be that person that inspired these kids to get into science and technology. Like, there's no, there's not a lot of tangible data that can back, you know, oh, I was inspired, right? It's hard to make into a data point. But, you know, that has been, I've seen kids that were maybe on the fence go into that direction after seeing that someone exists that is in that space that looks like them. Mm, and you created Mr. Fascinate. So tell me a yes. little bit about the story behind the name. So, you know, I realized that a lot of people, uh, and I started just, you know, exclusively focusing on people of color and my brain has gotten a lot more diverse, but uh, I noticed that people have what I call PTSD with science, which is poor teaching of science disorder, you know, where basically they've experienced so much negativity. Um, they've, they've been beat over the head with information that's not engaging to them, that's not fascinating to them. And so they, as soon as they hear STEM or science, they're kind of like, oh, let me stay away from this guy or this subject because it's probably boring. And so I was like, let me, let me flip this whole thing on his head and let me just be fascinating. I was like, well, what if I turn myself into Mr. Fascinate? And I mean, I'm walking through this simply like it was definitely a series of trial and error and a bunch of other ugly names, <laughs> you know, failed, failed experiments. And then Mr. Fascinate was the one that kind of rolled off the tongue and caught on. And, uh, you know, the kids vibe with it. It's memorable. It's easy to, it's easy to remember. So, yeah, that's the one I ended up rolling with. And he's quite a superhero. Like, I was watching some of the animated cartoons. And, I mean, it is you, of course. Like, I can see it's you. But he's very, yeah. like, superhero in his demeanor. Was that intentional? Absolutely. I think that the world needs STEM heroes. You know, we think about, um, let's say, if you're a little kid today, you can turn on the TV or at least pre-COVID, you turn on the TV or maybe turn on the streaming service and watch ESPN and you see your athlete heroes. You can turn on MTV and you see your artists and musical heroes, but there's nothing that you can really turn on to see a showcase of your STEM heroes. And so with Mr. Fascinate, with Fascinate, the company I started, we are trying to collectively build the ESPN for STEM. You know, what is it that is going to inspire people at scale to pursue these kind of careers? And part of it is excitement. You got to show people, yo, it's, this is so dope that like, you know, this is something you should be a part of. Like you're missing out, you know? And a lot of times, us, like I said, us STEM people, we don't do that self-promotional work. And so that's, you know, that's, that's the place I find myself in. Uh, and I love it because you are right. It's, you know, especially when you think of science, technology, engineering, all maths, you associate a certain type of person to it. And, you know, I love Bill Nye, but that's who I see in my head. I don't see a Justin Shaker in my head, you know. So when yeah. you so know you and you step in and they say, oh, he's going to be speaking about STEM. Do you find that some of the kids are shocked or confused? They're like, what the hell is going on here? Who is this guy? <laughs> A hundred percent. And I think, you know, so so I, I've met Bill and I a couple of times. He's a great guy. He's a funny guy. I think he does represent the old school archetype, the old school paradigm of what a STEM professional, what a scientist looks like. And it's time for new representation. And that's not just me. It's that's women, too. That's other people of color. But when I step in the room and I start freestyling, you know, I start freestyle rapping and they're like, wait a minute, is this guy a rapper or a scientist? No, I can do both. You know, I grew up in this culture, but then I got into a STEM career. And so, you know, that's that's something that um, 
you know, a lot of kids have never seen before. And just the, you know, for me, the, the goal is not always to beat kids over the head. Like you should pursue STEM careers because those are the careers of the future. Like kids don't care about that. That message doesn't work with kids. Like that's irrelevant to them right now. What's relevant to them is like, yo, this dude is cool. He's fly. He's dope. I kind of want to be around him. Oh, he's a scientist too. Maybe I should consider being a scientist because I guess scientists can be this type of person. And, um, and so that's, you know, that's the vibe that I try to create with in-person stuff, with online stuff, uh, anything that I do. Uh, and, and, you know, sometimes it's that simple. It's, it's not rocket science. Like just be relatable and people will want to do what you do. Absolutely. And I think it feeds into what you're trying to create when you say you're trying to build the ESPN of, you know, STEM. And that's a very good way of looking at it because it allows us to actually understand that there is no representation or the fact that this is how it's going to grow, right? And are you seeing that growth happening for you? Are you inspired, like, outside of the kids as you move through your career? I mean, I know you've worked in Bali, I think. Oh, was it Barbados? I'm not understanding. Yeah, I've, I've worked in the Bahamas, I've done stuff in Dubai. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, from... What I, what I didn't realize when I first started this work, because like I said, I, I focused on the problem that I wanted to solve for a kid like me. Uh, and I realized that that was a problem that the whole world has. You know, everyone, there's, there's a huge percentage of the world that isn't a white male that feels left out. They feel like maybe STEM isn't for them. And I realized that, you know, partially because I might have this racially ambiguous kind of look, I can pretty much go anywhere and they'll think I like maybe could be one of them. <laughs> and it, it helps. It helps out. And um, and so you know, I I'm able to use use that to inspire people at scale. Um, and so yeah, I've seen a ton of of growth. I'm I'm super excited about you know some of the co cool things that we have coming up because I you know I think I've I've been doing this by myself for way too long, and now there's a coalition of people that get it and. You know, I'm financially in a place where we can bring more people on and, and have people be a part of this. And I, I just, I'm super excited for where everything's going to go. Absolutely. And I want to know in your career, what does it look like? What does a day in your life look like when you're not creating content and you're not educating? What does a STEM professional look like? Man, I think if I'm not educating or creating content, uh, for me, I'm already like a textbook nerd. I'm reading about some new discovery that's coming out. Um, you know, I, you know, if I, like, in the content creation process is a STEM thing, you know, for, you know, a lot of people don't realize, like, I talk to kids about Metro Boomin, which, you know, he's one of the hot ones. There's a couple of other uh, audio producers out there. They're sound engineers. These are people that engineer sounds to make them sound dope. And that's a STEM profession. Um, so, you know, like content creation in and of itself is an act of STEM. Um, and so, you know, uh, but yeah, what else do I do? I don't know. I, I like to read. I like to work out. I mean, I, I don't think I'm like super divergent from the rest of the population, except for most of my hobbies are centered around some type of science discovery or tech innovation. I'm constantly studying big tech companies and seeing kind of where, you know, their trajectories are and maybe investing in a couple of them at this point. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of my day to day. It's kind of weird. It's kind of a weird question to answer right now, given, you know, COVID. <laughs> exactly. All of us are in some sort of so, so, yeah, no, but I think because when we think of STEM, like for me, I'm thinking of either 
someone in the laboratory, like, you know, dissecting something or like discovering something. So I think for me, contextualizing what the industry looks like, you know, is something that I was like gotcha. trying to get at. Yeah. Understood. Understood. So, I mean, yeah, I think STEM is so diverse, right? Like um, people, there are people all over STEM that are doing all types of different things. And, you know, for me, I've become more on the educational uh, community building um, content creating side of STEM, but there are so many facets to STEM. Uh, you know, my friend Corey, uh, she's a, a biochemist. Uh, so she spends a lot of time in the research laboratory. Uh, I have a friend that's an engineer. He spends a lot of time testing and building and iterating products. Like, you know, uh, this product, okay, this one doesn't work. Let's keep fixing that. I have another friend, uh, Lenora. She's a software engineer, a former UX designer. She builds apps for people so that this experience that we're having, this live Instagram experience, someone who understands psychology and also technology and also art had to build this thing in a way that's aesthetically pleasing to us and intuitively easy for us to navigate. Uh, and so, you know, these people are doing all types of different things. They're in laboratories, they're sitting behind computers, they're in like test benches where they're like building and hammering and working on products, uh, or they even mathematicians that are working on uh, math algorithms and theorems. Uh, for people, I know a lot of young ladies are interested in building hair products. We, we've done some programs where they would work on hair products. There are chemists at L'Oreal making $400,000, $400,000 a year to test new hair products to make sure that the hair products they're making are staying consistent, that it's perfect concentrations of chemicals. So it's so broad and diverse. And, you know, that's actually one of the things I want to do in, a, in an upcoming series that we're working on is, is really get in the weeds with like, you know, what is STEM? And, you know, what are all the things that you guys think are cool, like sneakers and gym shoes and and then what's the stem into that, right? Because all these things have a component of testing and research involved. And there's a STEM person with a STEM degree that's usually in that position and doing that research. Wow, I mean, I've learned a lot because I didn't even consider these different industries and facets that someone in STEM could go into. And so what keeps you motivated, Justin? I mean, it's... One thing to look at someone from the outside and be like, he's doing amazing, and, you know, he's doing all these things. But you're an entrepreneur, you're an educator, and it can be isolating. So I want to know, how do you stay motivated? Man, I think there's a couple of things, right? So I think pre-COVID, I had a lot of in-person interactions with kids. I would speak to tens of thousands of kids, you know, on a monthly basis. And so that was a big fuel to my fire. And, you know, to be quite honest with you, when COVID hit, like that was a huge thing that was just immediately, you know, the rug was immediately pulled from under me. And so, you know, I had to figure out like, how do I stay motivated? This is a completely new atmosphere. And, you know, I've realized that, you know, on digital, and I think this is the truth for all of us, people are still watching, you know, the people haven't gone anywhere. They just are now watching you on virtual platforms. And, you know, for me, what motivates me is that, you know, um, like I could be the person that, inspires the kid that creates a cure for cancer, right? That kid didn't think he might've been interested in STEM. He might've been a bright kid, but was gonna go into finance or I don't know, something that he saw in front of him. And I put this whole world in front of this kid. And now she or he goes into a STEM career and becomes a oncologist, a cancer doctor and develops a cure for cancer or a solution to world hunger or a permanent solution to global pandemics, right? Like I, 
would I'm motivated by the idea that I might be the light that that is shown in front of a kid that that turns the light on in their head. Wow. And have you always been this way or is this something like this motivated that you know driven since a young age developed over time? Absolutely not. I absolutely was. Uh, I was one of the the class clowns. I was one of the uh, the kids who didn't get good grades. I, um, you know, I I wasn't really that engaged in school. I didn't really feel like it was for me, and um, and so you know, for the longest time, uh, I wasn't challenged and I wasn't engaged in the way that I wanted to be engaged. And and so you know, I think a lot of people in our educational system find themselves left out of those kind of conversations. Right, because they they just are their learning style, their approach. I think especially a lot of entrepreneurs feel this way uh, is not prized in a traditional educational environment. And so, yeah, so I found myself doing stuff that I was interested in, which wasn't school. And the thing is, like, while that may have been more appropriate when we were growing up, when we were kids, now that whole industry has flipped. It's so much easier. To, the barrier to entry to be an entrepreneur is, is so much lower. And corporate careers are on a decline because of automation, which is another STEM thing. And so, you know, we need to be teaching kids these entrepreneurial skills, these virtual skills, these 21st century skills, if we want them to be prepared for the workforce. So, you know, that requires a complete flip. Um, But for me, you know, yeah, I, I went from being completely unmotivated to seeing that the way that I saw the world was actually very important. And I, you know, and, and, and needed. And I think that that thought motivated me that 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 idea inspired me and i realized the whole world could benefit from a perspective like mine or like yours like an entrepreneur's you know i think the general consensus around education especially during covid is that this stuff don't work no more like we're just not doing it the right way and so you know while crazy people like me with radical ideas are now welcome to the conversation whereas maybe i don't know 10 15 years ago they would have kind of written me off and uh, I wouldn't have been welcomed into brick and mortar academic educational spaces. Mm-hmm. And how would you, if someone brought you in and said, Justin, this education system is messed and we need to change it. What are a couple of things that you would do to restructure it? So one of the things that I, I super duper praise and I advocate for, for education all over the world now is a, toolkit of uh, centered around personal branding and digital marketing right uh, and i think you know as adults as entrepreneurs we all clearly vividly see the importance of that i think even kids now with their heroes and their idols being instagram and youtube influencers they see it too but i argue that a baseline skill set that every kid needs to have in school today is how to personally brand yourself how to create content online to get yourself in front of the right people and how to reach out to people of influence that can affect your outcome, your opportunities, right? That is an essential skill set that is needed by kids everywhere now to function. We all Google search everybody, right? Before you walk in an interview, before you have a conversation with someone, after you have a conversation with someone, you go and look them up. And if you don't have any input, I mean, it's just real, right? And if, and if you don't have any info, on these people, uh, if there's no info out there on you, then you're putting yourself at a disadvantage. And so, you know, that's what I'm trying to get schools to understand. Uh, actually, right before COVID, I, I was working on a contract with New York City's Department of Education to implement a personal branding, digital marketing curriculum 
in tandem with what else is going on at schools uh, for 500 schools. So, you know, hopefully that's something that comes into development. Uh, but, you know, that with so a lot. And, and again, I think in the context of STEM, right, again, we a lot of us are quiet. We, we don't. We're low key. Uh, it's not all of us. But, you know, we, we keep to ourselves. And, you know, if we use the skills that we have in laboratories and, you know, building apps, and then we add that component, right, that ability to get yourself in front of exactly the right person that can put you on, then, you know, that will take you to the next level. It's certainly taking me to the next level. And it's the reason why I've been able to do the things I do is because I take the time to learn those skills that weren't taught to me in school. Yeah, I mean, you are actually quite a master at personal branding. Firstly, I think Mr. Fascinate stands out in one's mind. I mean, you've seen the cartoon, it kind of sticks with you, which is fantastic. And I mean, you've been featured by Forbes, Variety, Essence Magazine, you've done TEDx, you know, you've traveled the world. So your brand is really efficient and it's working really well. What is the one big branding mistake you find people making? I think... I want to say like inauthenticity, like trying too hard. Um, so, you know, if you're going to, like for me, my my brand doesn't really feel like, all right, I have this persona, like how am I going to act today? You know, it's like, this is, I, this is mostly just me. And, you know, I've, I've kind of maybe reconfigured a couple of things and, you know, yeah, now, now it's palatable and it's scalable and, you know, it's simple. Um, so I, I, I want to give you two. I would say, you know, be, be yourself, uh, you know, but and I just had a great conversation about this. I'm more than Mr. Fascinate. Justin Schaefer is more than Mr. Fascinate. There's other facets to me. But if I want to create a compelling brand, you have to keep it simple. Almost You almost want to tell a singular narrative when it comes to personal branding. Uh, you don't want to be all over the place and doing all these different things. If you're if you're trying to achieve a goal with a brand, right? Yeah, and and so the cool thing for me about STEM is that I'm all over the place, but like everything I do can fit into that umbrella of STEM, and so you know I'm still able to tell this singular narrative. Um, but that's a really important thing uh, when it comes to you know if you want to create something that people don't forget. Mm -hmm. A single narrative that is so important. I think both of those are actually very important. I, I think of authenticity, what people don't understand is being authentic is something we feel, right? If you go onto someone's Instagram page, Facebook, whatever it is, and you look through it, you can tell if this is someone who's being themselves or if it's someone who's, you know, like, I'm going to make all my photos orange, you know, or whatever it is. No, no, no shade, no judgment. But, you know, so it is, it is something I completely understand. And you've been awarded the LinkedIn top voice in tech. What does that mean and what does that entail? So that was actually, I actually didn't see that one coming from a mile away, but LinkedIn actually reached out to me. And what they had told me was that I, according to their algorithm, I was one of the top creators on their platform. Like I had the biggest reach for uh, uh, keywords around technology. And so, um, you know, I, I, did, I, I wasn't trying to do that. I just was using LinkedIn the way a lot of people use Instagram as a content creation platform. And, you know, as entrepreneurs listening, I think LinkedIn is one of the most powerful B2B, business-to-business -business marketing tools out there. Much more powerful than Instagram because a lot of times what you're doing on here is you're attracting friends and fans 
of your work. And that's great. It's it's great to have people that love what you do, that inspire you, that that share passion. But the businesses, the decision makers, the gatekeepers are often on LinkedIn. And there's not a lot of people creating content on there right now. And so I was finding myself, the post that I would put on Instagram would get 10,000 views and it would get 100,000 views on LinkedIn, literally copied and pasted. And so I actually did a webinar on this a few months ago, like how I'm using LinkedIn to, to get ahead of the game. But um, anyone that's not using LinkedIn, I think any industry at this point, I used to say it depends on your industry. You should maybe or maybe not should be using LinkedIn. I think anyone in any industry who's not leveraging LinkedIn or creating content on LinkedIn, at least copy pasting their Instagram content on LinkedIn, is in some way missing out. They're not getting uh, all the opportunities that they could be getting because it's the average user's salary on LinkedIn, according to survey data, is fifty thousand dollars. Right? These are these are not broke people. These are people with money that can support what you do. Uh, so if you're an entrepreneur and you, you haven't been using it, you gotta you gotta consider that one for sure. But um, you had such a good point about LinkedIn, and you were just saying that you know LinkedIn is such a powerful platform, and it the average person earns about fifty thousand dollars on LinkedIn, and it's a platform we should all be using to advertise and market ourselves, right? And so I want to know from you, when did your career really start or really take off, in your opinion? I would say after so, and I think um, with with uh, with social media, right? I had a, a number of things go like semi-viral on social media. But I don't really think it did a lot for me, to be honest with you. Uh, it, you know, it, it kind of created circulation and people saw me, but it didn't like open opportunities up. It wasn't until I actually got press that that's when I started to see real responses to what I do and real like almost validation for what I've been doing for a long time. And so I think that was the, the biggest thing for me uh, that, that, that took things to the next level. But, but it's like not just, you know, it's not about just getting the press then. It's about leveraging the press and putting it, in, again, in front of the decision makers. And this is stuff I work with kids to do. Uh, how do you get in front of the right people so that they can see that press and they can give you the opportunities that you need? Oh, that is so clever. Because I think a lot of the time when you do get press, I, there's an assumption that, oh, I'm in Variety or I'm in Essence or I'm in Forbes, you know, so things will flow to me because I've been in these publications. Right, but I would... But I the would, truth I would, is, I'm sure... Uh, I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No, go on. Oh, yeah, I was saying that I would, no, I would no, be sorry. careful with... Oh, here we go. I'll be careful with the um, with the, the hype around those things, right? Like, you don't want to just get a feature on Forbes and you just started, right? Because, like, you know, that's not going to convert as well for you, right? I had been, when I got it for my feature on Forbes, I had done my first science TV show. I had been speaking for just a two and a half years. Uh, my website was fully built out. I was fully ready. You could go and book me, um, like, right there, right then and there, off the Forbes page. Um, I did the TED Talk. I had over 300,000 views. Um, you know, at our, our, obviously, I was at Columbia. I'd done things, right? And so... For me, once that article came out, I was able to convert the views into opportunities because I had my stuff figured out. So, like, you know, you'll find sometimes that people just get, they just want to get featured. Like, you just started, I just, a new upcoming person, I'm just getting featured. Ooh, look at me on Forbes. And that doesn't really help you in the way that it would. Like, yeah, people will know who you are, know about you, but like, you haven't done anything yet. Like, I would say, keep your head down. Do the work first, 
And then the press will actually do a lot more for you. And I have to 100% back that because I know in my own personal career, I my career really started off the back of a lot of press. Like I think I had so much press at one, two weeks I was in the news back to back every single day. And the irony is I had nothing to offer outside of that, right? I wasn't doing the work I had and done my keynotes, I hadn't done anything. So when the opportunities that try and appear, I wasn't ready. And so you are so correct in saying that had I had my book out there or my keynote ready, I would have been able to leverage that press attention into something that was actually growth worthy. Because I think sometimes we do get into that mindset of, oh, as long as I'm featured in this magazine or doing this, then my life will just figure itself out. And unfortunately, life does not work that way. It's sad. Right. But it doesn't. Right. And I'm not going to yeah. lie. I kind of I had a, a similar opinion at one point. I'm like, yo, if I only I could just get a feature on one of these things. And the actual guy who wrote my Forbes article, that that was a process that took eight months of back and forth. Uh, he's a he's a mentor of mine. But he honestly, he schooled me. He told me he's like, uh, he's like, dude, you need to wait. You're not there yet. And I, w- I was like, yo, what do you mean? I'm not there yet. Like, I've done this, this, this and this. He's like, not yet. And so, um, and so I just kept doing, kept doing more and I reached out to him, yo, I just did this, this, and this. He's like, we're, uh. and then like once this TV show thing came and I hit him, I'm like, all right, it's about that time. And I think it was that much more powerful of an article because I had done so much at that point that like, there, you know, I'm, it's not just a, it's not just a simple, you know, here, look at this guy. It's like, Nah, he's done. He's done all these things, and you know he can do these things for you. And so when that force feature came out, I probably got like a hundred speaker inquiries in that first couple weeks. Um, and you know, uh, I, I obviously couldn't accept all of them, and I couldn't, um, I couldn't perform all of them either. But a lot of those turned into even bigger opportunities. And now, you know, I never know where, uh, like, I may send someone the article still to this day. And you never know, like, if that was someone that might have ignored you, but otherwise now doesn't because they read that that piece. So it's one of those things where, you know, it, it's better to be patient about press uh, and, and really do the work. And then you be, create a story, do so much work and create such a powerful story that someone wants to talk about you. Someone wants to write about you. Someone wants to feature you. And that's when it's time. Speaking about patience. How have you found patience has played a role in your career? Because entrepreneurship is a lot waiting. It's a lot of being patient. So how have you dealt with that? Man, I, I think that I'm a pretty impatient person in general. <laughs> so I'm still working on that part of my life, if I'm being honest with you. Um, I would say I developed, though, I think, you know, entrepreneurs and lows. And you recognize um you know, patience is necessary to actually do a lot of these things. And so you develop what's called, like I say, stoicism, um, where you're able to efficiently navigate the highs and lows. Um, you still there with me, Candace? Can you hear me? Okay. Uh-oh, I think you're, okay, your audio is just, audio's a little delayed. That's okay, though. Um, but yeah, so, so to, to, to kind of navigate the frustration, the highs and lows of entrepreneurship, I've kind of read about Stoic philosophy and Stoicism. Uh, essentially, it's this idea that you don't let the good things like blow your head up too much, but you don't let the bad things take you down too much. Uh, and so you kind of maintain this um, this kind of even focus. Uh, so you know when there's hype things that come up, 
or when people are, you know, like, oh, this thing is going to change your life. I'm like, okay, we'll see. Uh, and but when bad things happen and other people are like, oh, man, like this is going to end your whole career. I'm like, okay, we'll see. <laughs> you know, and so you kind of develop this this uh, iron mentality. And it's, it's a philosophy a lot of uh, previous like world heavyweight boxing champions and like former presidents of countries. Like they developed this to navigate tumultuous environments. Oh, and it sounds so good to put into theory because I mean, put into practice because in theory, it sounds so good, right? But it's so difficult to maintain, like when things are good, to not, not get swept up by the hype. And when things are bad, to not get swept up by the parrot because both things can sink you. Too much success at once can sink you. And when you feel failure and you don't know how to handle it, that's too hard battle to face. But I'm almost hesitant to close this interview because you're just so insightful and learning so much. But I really want to know, to your 18-year-old, what piece of advice would you give yourself? Man, I would say always take the risk, always take the adventure. And, you know, and I feel like I actually followed that advice. But I would just say, you know, anything that you say you're going to do, just do it. Follow through on that. Like be relentless about developing a reputation for doing 100% of the things that you say you're going to do. And, um, and, you know, for me, I think that's, that's a part of brand these days, right? People start to realize, like, I don't commit to everything. I don't say I'm going to do everything. But when I say it, it happens. And that's a powerful philosophy to, to just incorporate into your life. And it, it, like, it's a really simple one that just, I think to me, it, it takes me to a different level. You know, I, I don't overpromise and underdeliver. I underpromise and overdeliver. Oh, man. Justin, where can people find you? Where, like, I know your website links everything. Tell us. And what's next for you? Sure, sure. So I, and this is a, this is a STEM thing. I have been really big about SEO or search engine optimization. Um, if you type my first name, Justin, and STEM, I'm the first four pages of that on Google search. Uh, so you can find everything you need to, my website, my Instagram, my LinkedIn, on just typing Justin STEM on Google. Um, and, you know, and, and that's, a, that's a personal branding thing also. But, um, you know, as far as, as far as things that are coming up, I'm actually launching a live cartoon show on Monday where we're, uh, you know, performing some exciting cartoons for young kids. Um, I hope I have a, a major production that is wrapping up right now. I finished all the voiceovers for it. I can't really say which platform it's going to be on, but it's going to be on a pretty big platform that a lot of people are going to be familiar with. So I'm really excited about that. But once COVID is over, I'm really excited about this magic cool bus, man. Like I, I'd love to be able to uh, build our physical bus that's going to travel and excite kids about science and technology careers. Uh, so, you know, obviously in-person stuff is canceled for quite a while, but, um, you know, hopefully at some point, we will get that uh, on board and, and get that worked out. Because I actually got uh, my boy, Mad Mike. If you remember the TV show, Pimp My Ride, Candace, uh, I got my boy, Mad Mike, who used to trick the cars out. He has actually agreed to build our bus. Uh, and so, you know, hopefully we can get that thing on and popping. Um, so it's yeah, I just had a conversation with him a couple of weeks ago, and he's still excited. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's just a timing thing, though. Oh, man. Justin, I've had a request that you should freestyle our way out of this interview. Would you be after that? Freestyle. <laughs> Dang, y'all put me on the spot, huh? Freestyle at the end of the interview. 
Let's see. Um, <laughs> hmm. Okay, let's see. Um, all right, I, I'll just, I'm just going to, I guess it's got to be acapella because it would be hard for us to sync up. I know, Candace, you could be, you probably beatbox, but we, it would be hard for us to sync it up. So, <laughs> all right. I'm killing the game. I'm killing it in STEM. I'm always reaching voices. I'm reaching out to them, the scientists, the engineers, the people in technology. I got these bars, call it Justinology. I'm teaching my own subject, teaching my own class. Ain't nobody gonna ever get a pass because it's hard. It's difficult. I work to the fullest. I grind every day and I'm the coolest, Mr. Fascinate. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, y'all got to catch me in person for the, you know, for the real deal. I do, I do better when the crowd is bigger, you know. But I, I give y'all a little something just to show that I know what I'm doing, you know. <laughs> it's just a little reminder that we shouldn't sleep on you. You don't give us enough to say. Don't no. sleep, don't sleep. Yeah, I appreciate you, Candice. This was awesome. Thank you for for bringing the good vibes. Thank you, and I'll speak to you soon. Take care of yourself. Okay. All right, take it easy. I know there were some slight technical issues in this one, but I still loved spending time with Justin. I learned so much. And what stood out for me was always do what you say you're going to do. Be a person of your word. I absolutely love that. So like I said in the beginning of the podcast, if you have liked this podcast, please like, share, subscribe so more people will find us. I look forward to bringing you my next guest.